Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 10 of The Ticken Coat Treasure by William LeCue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 10. The Guardian of the Secret. I had some tea at the plow with fresh butter and cream, which, after those weeks on board the thrush, were delicious. Much gratified that I had at last discovered the house of the noble freebooter, I set to work to make inquiries regarding the family of Nutton, the hereditary guardians of the treasure, and of the descendants of Clement Wallerton, who, it appeared, had been Bartholomew's lieutenant, and whose skeleton I had most probably seen on board the seahorse. The innkeeper's sister was still communicative, so I asked her if she knew anyone of either name in the village. No, sir, I don't know anyone of such a name in Caldecott, she answered, after reflecting a few moments. There's old Ben Nutton, who lives in Rockingham. What kind of a man is he? Well, his character is not of the best, she answered. He's a laboring man, but he's lazy good-for-nothing old fellow who frequents every inn in the district. Married? No, a widower. He lives in a cottage close to the Sond Arms in the main street of Rockingham. The description she gave was certainly not that of the hereditary guardian of the Italian noble's treasure. Nevertheless, as he was the only person of that name in the district, I decided to walk back past the station and on to Rockingham, a distance of about a mile, and make his acquaintance. It was a lovely summer's evening and the walk through the cornfields was delightful, although my head was filled with a strange old-world romance which within the past few weeks had been revealed to me. The main point which occupied my attention was whether the treasure was still hidden, or had it ever been hidden, in that tumble-down old manor house. In order to make secret investigation, it would be necessary to rent the place and carefully search every hole and corner. Some of those paneled, low-ceiling rooms above were, to me, attractive. A good deal might be hidden there, or in the roof. After some inquiries, I found the man Nutton's cottage, small, poorly furnished, close-smelling, and not overly clean. A slatternly girl of fourteen called, Uncle, you're wanted, and a gruff voice responded from the upstairs room. He came heavily down the narrow, uncarpeted stairs a rough-looking type of agricultural laborer in drab moleskin. His age was about sixty-five, with beery face, gray eyes, round shouldered, and wearing his trousers tied beneath the knee, and boots that had never known blacking. "'Your name's Ben Nutton, isn't it?' I asked. "'Yes, sir, that's my name.' "'Well, Mr. Nutton,' I said, "'I want to have a few minutes' chat with you alone.' I noticed that he looked somewhat aghast. Afterwards, I learnt that he was an expert poacher, and he probably believed me to be a detective. Through a decade or so, he had had a good deal of the Marquis of Exeter's and Mr. Watson's game, and the major part of it had found its way by an irregular route to Northampton Market. He first went very red, then white, his hand trembled, and he had to steady himself for a moment. 
Just go out for a minute or two, Annie, he said to his niece. I want to speak to this gentleman. Take a seat, sir. He pulled forward one of the rush-bottomed chairs from beside the rickety old bureau. Don't think, Mr. Nutton, that I've come here with any hostile intent, I said, in order to reassure him. I've come to Rockingham expressly to ask you one or two questions regarding your family. I am making some investigations about the Nuttons, and perhaps you can assist me. Have you any brothers or sisters living? No, sir, I haven't. My brother Dick died ten years ago. Dick? Then that man's name was Richard Nutton. Did he leave any sons? I inquired. Only one, young Dick. He enlisted and was killed in Afghanistan. He enlisted after his father's death? Yes, sir, he answered, more at ease. Your family is a very old one in the neighborhood, isn't it? One of the oldest, they says. The Nuttons lived at the manor farm up at Caldecott for more than a hundred years. But we've come down in the world since then. The manor farm is the one attached to the manor of Caldecott, eh? It's close to the Caldecott manor house. There's a fifteen hundred acres of land with it. And nowadays, sir, I often work on that self-same land for Mr. Banks. What owns it now? Are you the oldest of your family? No, sir. Dick was. I was second. Dick was the lucky un, and was old Mr. Banks' foreman for years. That was in the present Mr. Banks' father's time, when farming was a lot better than what it is now. Lor, sir, in this district three-quarters of the farms scarcely pay their rents. All the landlords ought to be generous, like the Duke of Bedford. But they ain't, and we laborers have to suffer. <laughs> More work and less beer, I remarked with a laugh. Well, sir, when you mention beer, I'd be pleased to drink a pint at your expense, a remark which showed the rustic cadger. And so you shall, when we've finished our talk, I said. Tell me, have you ever heard or known of any person called Wallerton? Wallerton, he repeated. Why, now that I remember, that's the very question the gentleman asked me the day before yesterday. What gentleman? I gasped. A gentleman I met in the Son de Arms. He said he knew me, but I didn't remember ever having set eyes on him before. He treated me and then asked me a whole lot of questions, some of them very similar to what you've asked me. I don't understand what he or you, begging your pardon, sir, are driving at. But this person who was so inquisitive, what kind of a man was he? A middle-aged gentleman from London. He stayed the night at the Son de Arms and left in the morning. He was a tall, fair man, and funnily enough seemed he'd know a lot about my relations. You didn't know his name? No, he didn't tell me. This fact was certainly strange. Was it possible that some other person was in possession of the secret of the hoard and had forestalled me in making inquiries? This beery laborer seemed, without doubt, a descendant of the Richard Nutton whose signature was written upon the faded parchment. As guardians of the treasure, the Nuttons had apparently been given the manor farm in order to be constantly near the spot where the spoils of war were concealed. Their residence at the farm through generations appeared to show that instructions had passed from father to son and had, until seventy years ago, been strictly observed. Then the family had fallen upon evil times, and the descendants had degenerated into laborers, the youngest enlisting as a private soldier. I suppose you told this gentleman you met all about your family, just as you've told me, eh? Pretty well the same story. 
What else did he ask you? Well, he wanted to know one or two rather queer things about my family history. Things I'd never heard nothing about. My father always did use to say that we were entitled to a big fortune, and he'd heard it from his father. Only that fortune ain't come, and I don't suppose it ever will. But both you gentlemen coming to me and asking some same questions has aroused my curiosity. Ah, I said, fortunes that are talked of in families are usually phantom ones. Why, there's scarcely a family in England who don't believe that they've been done out of their rightful inheritance. I know that, sir. I could name twenty people in Rockingham who believe themselves the rightful heirs to property. That's why I never believed the story about our fortune. My poor old father had to go on the parish before he died. A shilling a week and two loaves. So the idea of the fortune didn't benefit him much. But what was the story which your father told you? I inquired. Oh, it was quite a romance. Half the people in Rockingham knew about it, because the old man used to get a drop of beer he always boasted of the great wealth that would be his some day. But what was the story? Tell it to me as nearly as you can remember it. Well, he used to say that long ago, hundreds of years, I think, the Nuttons were rich, but one son turned an adventurer and accumulated a big treasure of gold and silver. This he hid away very carefully, because in those times there was no banks and places like there is now. But he left the secret in the hands of the head of the family, to be handed down for a certain number of years. Then has it come down to you? I asked quickly. Oh, sir, I only wish it had, he laughed. Although a hard drinker, as I could tell from his puffed cheeks and unsteady hand, I was fortunate in finding him on that occasion quite sober. Perhaps the term of years ended and the fortune was realized, I suggested, for to me it seemed more than probable that the secret of the hiding place had been discovered long ago. No, sir, I think not, was the old man's prompt reply. If it had, we should all have been in a better position. No, I believe the whole thing is a fable, as everyone has declared it to be. Why, here in Rockingham, they used to call my father Secret Sammy, because when he was drunk, he always spoke mysteriously of what he called the secret. Have you any idea of the reason your family left the manor farm? Owing to several bad seasons on top of each other. They were ruined like hundreds of others. I've heard say that the last of the Nuttons who had the place used very often to go up to London by the coach, and he was fond of gambling. That was what really ruined him. Do you know anything about the manor house? Who lived there when you were a boy? Why, that's one of the questions a stranger asked me in the Sunday Arms, he exclaimed. Very curious, certainly, I thought. Who could possibly be aware of the secret given up by the sea except myself, Mr. Stafford, and Job Seal? And you told him, I suppose. I told him that old Squire Blacker lived there with his wife and two daughters from my early recollection. They all died except the older daughter who didn't marry and lived there for over twenty years, an old maid. When she died, the place was bought by a Jew living in Ireland, and there's been lots of tenants since. They never stay long because of the damp and the rats. I worked there seven years ago, helping to do a drain, and the rats were something awful. I never saw such monsters in all my life. Young Jack Sharp's terrier killed nearly a couple of hundred of them in one day. The stackyard is so close, you see. 
as far as you know your family has never had any connection with the manor itself i never heard it he replied we were at the manor farm for generations as i've told you but never at the manor house and you don't believe the story about the fortune awaiting you somewhere well sir i wish i could believe it was the old man's answer we've been awaiting it for long enough ain't we i laughed as though i shared his view with regard to the legend at that juncture it was not my intention to tell him the object of my inquiries and when he pressed me i turned the conversation into a different channel as i had promised i went with him across to the sun arms and regaled him with beer then when he saw the tangible reward for his communicativeness he endeavoured to assist me further i say missus what was the name of that there gentleman who stayed ere the night for last you know the gentleman who talked such a lot to me in yon little parlour oh he gave his name as purvis charles purvis of london is what he wrote in the book answered the landlady but i think you were a fool ben a big fool i didn't like the man at all he wanted to know too much about everybody's business yes he was a bit curious like and the old man glanced meaningly at me but why was i a fool missus why to sell him that old bit of parchment if nobody could make it out in rockingham there were lots of people up in london who could have read it perhaps it has to do with your fortune you don't know what i cried starting to my feet did you sell the stranger a parchment what kind was it it looked like a deed or something of the sort explained the landlady and it's been in ben's family for years and years they say young dick gave it to me afore he went a soldierin his father had given it to him telling him to be sure and not part with it so he gave it to me for fear he might lose it it had a yellow seal a hangin to it and a whole lot of scrawly signatures i showed it to a lot of people but nobody could make head or tail out of it and you sold it the night before last i cried in utter dismay what was the good of keepin it a stranger offered me half a sovereign for it and i wasn't the one to refuse that for a bit of dirty old parchment what nobody could read end of chapter ten with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.